Do you have things in your relationship that you put in place that are like, this is a no-go zone. We do not talk about business now. Yep, no business in bed. Amazing. <laughs> Which is very um, <laughs> for sure. And not because it brings any negative energy, but you know when you're just about to sleep and someone's like, hey, That's Hayley Worley, longtime client of mine and one of my favorite entrepreneurs. She is the founder and CEO of Sheet Society. If you know Sheet Society, the way that they do things is just next level. And if you don't know Sheet Society, you are about to fall in love. Sheet Society is really, really driven by the creative campaigns that their team formulates. And knowing that team intimately, I get to the bottom of how each idea comes to life how she manages their creativity for the common goal of selling betting. What's also incredible in this chat is essentially Haley's made it. She's built the million dollar business and she's still making the decisions that we all make of like working late, but still setting that 6am alarm because we think that we're going to bounce out of bed, but realistically you're not. It's really, really relatable and it made me feel like anything in business is possible. This episode also coincides with their winter drop, which launched last week. I worked on it. It is so lush. So make sure that you check it out. I hope you love this chat. Before we dive in, I want to pay my respects to the traditional owners of the land, which we recorded on, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay my respects to their elders past and present. Welcome to Process the Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Thomas, motion director, social strategist, and founder of production company Cinematom. I can't wait to bring you into the world of my guests, the creme de la creme of the Australian and international creative landscape in fashion, media, design, and many more as we unpack their unique creative process. Let's dive in. I am sitting with Hayley Orley, who I know, I know you really well, I think. Yeah. I know you really well from like a very friendly work with you guys. I feel like every month you do shoots. Absolutely. Is yeah. it monthly or about six weeks? Yeah, about six weeks. It ebbs and flows with the seasons Yeah, what products we're launching. So when, we've been working together, gosh, for... A couple of years. Yeah, a long time. Like I think when we first came out of COVID is when we started working with you. My first trip was with you and gels to Yamba. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was wow. the first time. So my first trip with you was a road trip. <laughs> and you weren't there, but I was with your beautiful team. And we stayed in accommodation. And they were like, I felt like the new girl. It was intimidating, but also amazing because they're not intimidating girls at all. And you always have felt like an extension of our team too. I just love them. And I love you. And it's just so easy. So I feel like I know you well, but I know you on a level of familiarity because there've been many ups and downs, I think, in all of our lives. And when you're on set and you're constantly on set six weeks or a month, however long apart the shoots are, it's fascinating because you hear what's going on in people's lives and then a month later a lot of things can change and so someone was seeing a boy no they're not oh no god don't talk about that that's changed they're not seeing each other anymore or someone so was having a shit time last time on the because their life just wasn't going their way and then they've kind of had a whole month to come out of that or whatever so when I say I know you well I know you with an incredible familiarity but now I'm really excited to know you well (laughs) about this chat because you always do get right to the bottom of me whenever I see you it's not like a hey babe how are you it's like tell me your deepest fears in a great way you just feel so comforting that you know I can talk to you about um way deeper things (laughs) so I'm nervous you're gonna draw it all out today I'm not I'm not but sheet society Mm. is I think you're the epitome of a creative that started really small as a woman in business 
Um, it was a really tiny business. We're thinking about MOQs and minimum quantity orders for anyone that doesn't know what that is. Or is it MOQs? Yeah, um, minimum order quantity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it's this big beast, warehouses, staff. You've stayed local, which is unbelievable. But how old is Sheet Society now? Um, we just turned six in February. Mm-hmm. And how many staff do you have? 48 full-time and then maybe another 30 or 40 casuals. Um, wow. Yeah. And how many? You've just opened in Armadale in Melbourne. Yeah, around nine months ago. How's it going? Yeah, it's good. I, I think we've got a store in Abbotsford as well and that's just such our vibe. We're very north side creative yeah. and then I'm launching in Armadale. It's a very different demographic. So we were just trying to get them on the journey. Tell me about what she, how you place Sheet Society in the market compared to all your competitors. Um, I guess we're kind of the perfect balance between fashion and function. So yeah. I come from a fashion background and I was working in fast fashion for, gosh, four or five years before that and I was churning through party dresses and Met Gala looks and one yeah. day I just woke up and I was like, I couldn't care less what the Kardashians are wearing. <laughs> and I still loved fashion and I loved colours and textures and I just needed to think of some way to apply those skills that weren't part of that kind of rat race of fashion. Mm. And so um, I was really obsessed with the way that your bedroom can make you feel mm-hmm. and it was around about the same time I got married I bought some sheets and um, you know I'd spent so much money from a department store and I got them home and they just weren't what it looked like on the picture they were wrapped in a sporty block and they were just like I had to buy a flat sheet I didn't use a flat sheet and I'd unwrap them and I'm like this is an awful experience like how when I'm buying clothes I can literally get nude in the change room try on what I want to buy decide if I like it or not and with sheets I'm gonna have to sleep in these for the next couple of years because I've unwrapped them I can't get them back in the box and I just couldn't reconcile those two experiences and you know when you put on a new quilt cover in your bedroom it's just like the center of your space and the way it looks really yeah Mm. it just affects how you feel so much and so the concept was always kind of fusing that feeling of wearing a new outfit or like putting that outfit on that you just really really love with that feeling of getting into bed after a long day with your clean sheets and it's like if I could merge those two feelings that's just so (laughs) magical 100% and now you've done we were talking about South by Southwest for example before we hit record you've got an incredible hybrid brain of creative and commercial talk to me about the tech of like the bed builder yeah so i guess the premise of the brand was really to mix and match and so create a combination of any of our pieces that really Mm -hmm. reflected your personal style and so to do that on the website you know you're shopping through different category pages and you can just see kind of one color in one page and we needed to build um, a piece of tech that enabled you to figure out the right configuration for you before you were happy to put it in your card Um, and i remember it was even hard enough to do that just with buttons on the website back in 2017 when we launched the brand and then we kind of figured that out and I was like let's build this interactive um, bed builder where you can see a picture of the bed you can add different options on the pillows pop up or they come off you can put a flat sheet on if you didn't want to Um, and so that probably took us maybe eight or nine months to build and then as soon as we launched it um, I was like what's next guys let's bring this into augmented reality and so I remember speaking to a friend um, and I was like do you know anyone that does augmented reality because I didn't know what the fuck it was yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> she was like, yeah, this guy and I'll intro you. And so then within the next six months after that, we had an, um, a browser experience in your phone where whatever bed that you just designed on yeah. the bed builder, you could click view in my space. It would take a read of your mattress, project that bed that you just Crazy. designed yeah. onto your own space so you could see it with your side tables and your artwork. You can yeah. walk right up to see the fabric and texture and that um, we believe that was first of its kind at mm. that time. Um, it's not just, you know, here's this couch in your space, which a lot of brands are doing. It's yeah. like, here's something you've just designed from like 45 quintillion different options. Yeah. And here's that in your space. Mm. So wow. it, it was quite an incredible thing to launch. And I don't think we talk about it enough as a brand, but um, yeah. I'm I don't think you so do. I'm proud. You and I didn't know I that. Know. Let's <laughs> make some videos. I know. That, it's a very hard thing to make a video about because <laughs> it's in AI. You're going to be yeah. getting people to the phone, but let's chat. We can okay. do it. <laughs> we'll get a job of that. <laughs> That's so cool. So in terms of where you've come from in the business, I've listened to you on other podcasts from a research point of view, and I knew that you were in, you had some accidents along the way of like insurance and you had your small, it was a tiny, tiny store and it was all online. Was that true? It started all online? Yeah, we opened a store actually right um, the day that COVID kicked off in Australia I remember putting a sign on the wall and I was like Melbourne we're open come in take us to bed and the PR company saw it on my stories and they were like uh no Hayley you can't (laughs) invite anyone into a public space and I was like what do you mean guys like I've worked on this store for four months I was literally like spray painting the walls and like tiling the floors and doing it so DIY and they were like nah, this COVID shit's really going to kick off. You're, you're not opening your store anytime soon. And I was like, oh, God. But would it be safe to say that COVID really accelerated the business because oh. people all of a sudden pivoted and straight into bedding to design their space? Totally. We got such a huge free kick for COVID. Mm. And um, I think what was great about the brand is we always have kind of had this ethos of doing things really well before we needed to. Mm. And so... Um, you know, for example, we put in a warehouse management system before it was like dire. You know, we'd always yeah. put in an inventory management system before we kind of really hit that point where we needed it. And Is so, that to set yourself up for success? Yeah, I think. Or just know, someone's OCD. In the I, situation. Well, I, mean, I, you know, I work with my husband and he's very much systems and processes. Yeah. And so it's always been cool. We need to do things the right way um, because we could see the potential of the brand. And it's like, if I just invest in doing this right, right now, yeah. then we don't have to invest more in fixing it later yeah. that when it becomes a bigger problem so as soon as COVID hit and um, things were shutting down I just remember having a call with the digital marketing agency and they're like hey guys like we don't know what's happening like everyone's pulling back spend like let's just play it safe for the next few weeks whilst we figure it out yeah. and um, Andy and I sat down and we're like fuck that this is our time to shine yeah like people can't go into our stores anyway and like you know we're sheet society so we're already really prominent on google search for sheets and we've done a lot of the legwork in populating digital marketing audiences and we kind of knew that the bigger guys were pulling back their budgets and so we're like let's just give this a crack and yeah um serendipitously when we found out about covid it was probably in the maybe like the january before it came to us in like march april Mm. um and that 
was when it was like a China thing, right? We were looking at yeah. this on the news and we're like, oh, how unfortunate for them over there. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, we um, produce out of China. And so we thought, oh, if this really kicks up in China, we're going to really need to stockpile some sheets. Yeah. And so at that stage in kind of January, we just got every spare bit of cash that we had and we just placed the biggest order that we could because we needed to protect the business and um, kind of sit on a bit of a war chest of inventory. So by the time COVID came to us in kind of March, April, we had had like the biggest order of ever place landing and all of the physical shops shutting down. And so we're like, this is the perfect scenario for us. Like we're wow. really well placed to just um, go you went for all it. In. Uh, absolutely. Was that scary? Um, no, it was just like, you know, when you're in those situations where you're like, I've just got to fucking get on and do this. Yeah. And I think we'd been playing it safe a little bit because we've been growing incrementally and we had maybe three staff at that time. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of when COVID kicked off, I, I think they had said, you know, we're not sure when lockdowns are going to happen or how long they're going to go on for. And we were looking at New Zealand because in New Zealand, the lockdown said that warehouses couldn't operate. Yeah. And so we thought the same thing would happen here. And we were literally sitting around like the radio <laughs> listening to this announcement yeah. from Dan Andrews because we're like, we need to know if we Those can um, keep operating yeah, or not. Um, and so we wanted to be able to pay our staff. Like that was a non-negotiable. You know, we had three or four people. And so we just thought, let's run a sale for the week weekend and let's get some cash in the bank so we yeah. can afford to pay our team for the six to eight weeks that um, we were going to be shut for. Yeah. And so it was the first time really that we kind of just like turned it up. Like we wow. were just being really safe because we're very driven by digital marketing. Yeah. And so we just kind of let the budgets go and we just put this sale on and like the orders just kept flowing through because wow. it was at that peak where everyone was like, cool, I can't go out for dinner this weekend. What yeah, else am I going to do? Stuck inside for six weeks. Yeah, how do I yeah. treat myself? And so those things kind of happened simultaneously where we just had the biggest weekend of our entire business and we spent, luckily, warehouses didn't shut down and so we spent like I think five days packing two days worth of orders and wow. I think at that moment when the final Ostrose truck left, I was like, okay, this is this is actually something there's there's people out there that want this yeah. and we've really got something going on so Amazing. it was really magical so then digital marketing how much does that play in your business it used to be the only thing that we did and um, really yeah I, I kind of found out really quickly that like there's just no way I could have um, built and owned audience as quickly as my business grew. Like I was trying to reply to comments and follow people and yeah. interact. and then That classic, like, like follow them and then unfollow totally. them. Totally. <laughs> and then I was, did it for like a couple of weeks and I was like, this is going to take ages. Yeah. I'm like, why can't I just pay the algorithm to find the right people for me? Yeah. And I think I've never been upset with investing that money yeah. and so for me I kind of thought okay I'm gonna go all in on digital marketing and so I put myself in a little group with um, a couple of other small business owners and I just learnt the Facebook back end right. and so I was in there placing ads and bidding on different things and creating different audiences and I became quite obsessed with it for maybe like nine <laughs> months I was in you know these Facebook groups where we would all test out different bidding strategies and different types what of creativity I'm so glad I did it like it seemed like a bit of a sidetrack from 
yeah. and fashion business, a sheet business yeah. that I wanted to create because I was just literally a digital marketer. Yeah. <laughs> but now that I know how to do those things, it's just been so, so great. Like I'll go into a meeting with our agency and I will understand what they're talking about. Yeah, even the way you briefed me on TikTok ads is totally. so rare. Tom, I'm getting a five row ads right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's been really fun. Amazing. Yeah. So, what we're missing from this intro to Sheet Society is the risk when it ha- when you first started it. Yeah. Because you can imagine all over Australia, there are women who would love to start a sheet business or whatever they love and whatever gap that they can see in the market. Can we talk a little bit about the process you went through to justify it and Andy, your husband, to be like, babe, I'm doing this? Yeah. And how you decided to go all in. Yeah, I think I was definitely not confident in the early days and um, my younger brother and I actually started the business together and when we when things kind of kicked off and we had the product to sell, um, I was going hammer and tongue, like I was all all in to, yeah. you know, digital marketing and photo shoots and anything I can do and I think he kind of wanted it more of a side project. So um, I think maybe three or four months in, we decided to kind of separate separate ways yeah. and at that time Andy was helping out anyway um you know he could see that I'm one of those people that jump off the bridge and think hey how the fuck did I get here and yeah, the parachute on the way down yeah <laughs> and so he was doing a lot of inventory stuff and system stuff in the back end and then yeah. um when me and my brother decided to part ways he was kind of like look Hayley I know your blind spots and I know I can help here so I think we should do this together and I think it's the interesting thing about um I guess couples starting a business yeah when I started I was like cool this is my thing I'm gonna start my own business but yeah. then very quickly it's not one person's thing you know he yeah. was kind of like oh where's rent dull <laughs> and, um, he, he was in it regardless and so um you know so when we kind of gave into that and, and decided to do it together that was when um we really yeah really kind of gelled well um he has all of the skills that I don't have and it just works really perfectly like we're very aligned on what we value and obviously we love each other and get along because we're married (laughs) um, we just look at things completely differently yeah um which is great in a business sense because I feel like we really benefit from those two really different schools of thought yeah but it's also really challenging because I know I'll come up with this big idea and he'll jump straight to the wine and I'm like no I just need to give you some you need to give me some of like the hey cool with anything is possible energy I don't need to know that this is impossible I'm happy to talk about that but just just keep fueling my fire for the meantime have you heard in that relationship thing like that uh, the saying have when you come to somebody with a problem and they say do you want comfort or do you want a solution? Yeah, have I have. Do you have your own business version of that? Or you're like, do you we want do. hype or do you want strategy, like whatever? It's so funny you say that we work with a business coach and um, he's put in this rule that um, if I come to Andy with an idea, he has to give me three reasons why it's going to work before he can give me any reasons why it's not going to work. Oh, my God, I love that. So are you doing that together, the business coaching? Yeah, we do. We do it independently and together, and it's honestly just been so beneficial. Where did you find a business coach like that? Um, just through a friend of a friend. Wow. Yeah, he's just so great because it's a lot, like knowing how to deal with different people and personalities yeah. and different situations and the ebbs and flows. And I think recently he's um, gotten to the 
bottom of a few issues that we're going through at the moment because I'm very much like a growth CEO. Like yes. I thrive when things are going well because yeah. I can just really add on to that. And I think it's been a challenging year for a lot of people in e-commerce and certainly in the world. Because things are changing post-COVID. Totally. Yeah. And so Andy's like more of a risk CEO. And yeah. so he's really thriving the last year because, you know, he's um, cutting back costs or tightening up things, which yeah. is so important. I really appreciate that. But it's just kind of those, those different um, ways of looking at it and I feel grateful that we've got both of those in the business but yeah. knowing how to deal with those feelings and emotions and strategies together is just been a real challenge and he really helps us out with that and he works with a lot of people in the business too so um, if there's ever a new starter he'll jump on board and say hey cool this is Haley and Andy and this is how they like to work and yeah. this is what you can expect from them this is what you can't you know so it's just even more beneficial from just Andy and my perspective the whole team really benefit from him how do you go at the dinner table talking about business um, do you have things in your relationship that you put in place that are like this is a no-go zone. We do not talk about business now. Yep, no business in bed. Amazing. <laughs> Which is very um, <laughs> for sure. Um, and not because it brings any negative energy, but, you know, when you're just about to sleep and someone's like, hey, I've got, I've got an idea. Yes. <laughs> You just can't get to sleep after that. You've got to flesh it out and continue yes. talking. And so. you want to support their creativity or yeah. like whatever they've brought to the table. Yeah, so definitely no business in bed. But, um, yeah, just kind of ebbing and flowing on that. And I think, you know, we've got two kids and they're just so great for just walking in the door and, like, they couldn't give a shit what we dealt with that day. They're just yeah. like, cool, sit down, build these Lego blocks with me. Yeah, they're really present. It's just such a great um, divide because you can just walk in and be like, cool, any negative energy from the office that we've disagreed agreed on something yeah. or if we're stressed or whatever the kids just need us to be here and present and so by the time you've played lego for 45 minutes like <laughs> kind of you've left, you've left it yeah <laughs> and we're really conscious of not kind of making decisions away from the team too mm. i think that could feel really disempowering yeah, if we that's kind a really of, good point yeah if we had a meeting and it's like cool this is the way forward and i came back in next the next day, you're like, oh, cool, we just changed it. We're going to do this completely differently now. It would feel like behind closed doors. Yeah. You guys are... Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think we've been really good at setting boundaries just recently in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Creatively, because I only work with your creative team, really. I work with Grace, Phoebe, and then we've had a cycle of staff who have just been so beautiful, like Mia yes. and all the, everyone's so great. And Lily, who I feel like is we're working with more and more and more. Yeah, as she's a, beautiful. Yeah, the photographer, Lily yeah. Thompson. Yeah. Is that her last name? Yeah. Um, and then luckily us on the tools for video. How shooting bedding over and over and over again is hard and every time i bring on a new videographer into the space i'm like look this is going to get really monotonous by bed three Mm -hmm. but we have to keep finding new ways how do you find new ways because i even struggle sometimes in a room to make sure it's easy when we're working obviously with the model because the model's energy can change how do you go reinventing firstly the campaign side and then the product side yeah, I guess the campaign side is really uh, 
I find it really easy. Like, I can definitely use an inanimate object that we're yeah. shooting day in and day out. But um, we take cues from the fashion world and, you know, from whatever's going on in the zeitgeist. Yeah. So it is easy to kind of use the product as a blank canvas yeah. and to then inject these elements like talent or location or sound or whatever to kind of bring that to life. So I feel like there's an element of um, definitely innovating and keeping it fresh, but I feel like every time we go into a shoot, we're actually doing those same things so much better. Yeah. Like whenever I see content now come out from your team and from Lily, I'm like, shoot this pillow so much better than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so true. And so that, that's really inspiring. And I think from a um, creative standpoint, from a product um, we again take cues from the fashion world, so there's always so much going on. Like, are you on the trend setting like WGSN? Yeah, we've been mentioning like WGSN maybe four or five times. Yeah. Um, it's really fun to look at the trends and the cultural trends that are happening and kind of mm -hmm. adapt that from for the bedroom. Yeah. And I think at the moment we're feeling like you know a bit of that seventies vibe. We've got um, yeah, like a, a bit of a push on kind of like upcycling and yeah. um, that nostalgia vibe. And so you know we've designed a beautiful range of blankets that kind of feel like your nana's mm. blankets from back yeah. in the day. And so it's nice to be able to identify those cultural trends, yeah. translate them into the products that we um, know and love, and then bring that out to the world. And then I think from that, if you've got the right product and that right um, collection vibe then bringing that to life is um, really easy because the product just sings to that and I think we've done that really well in the last few shoots. And... Yeah, it's really interesting getting references from your team. Grace always sends me really, like, basically a makeup or beauty something from Uniqlo. And Uniqlo doesn't even do beauty, but they speak a very 360 lifestyle language. And then she's like, yeah, this is the energy we're doing. And then it's my job, obviously, to then translate that into sheets because I walk in with that reference in mind and then I have to, I've got a model and I've got bedding and everything. But the way that it works like clockwork is crazy and how innovative the team just keeps turning that over and those concepts, how involved are you in the ideas of, like, I get given a beautiful deck every single time yeah. and I get briefed on what we're doing. How involved are you in that? piece of what that deck is is the team doing their due diligence and they're bringing that to you and then you're spinning ideas and making it kind of become sheet societies or are you the top and it goes down how does that work i'm definitely not the top and i don't ever want to be the top i think yeah. if i'm doing my job well i don't need to be there at all yeah. and, um, and that's a big of a hard thing to come by you've kind of got to make yourself irrelevant in your yeah. <laughs> but um i do really like to empower the team as much as possible but there's a fine line of being like cool this is a brief um from the product team you guys create a concept around that yeah you know sometimes if you've got a clear picture of that it's really easy and that um clear brief is really freeing because you can just do whatever you're feeling at the time but yeah. other times a free brief or an open um, page is really daunting you don't know mm -hmm. where to start and so I think where I sit in that cycle, it just really ebbs and flows. Like if it's a new product category, then I'll probably have a bit more input because I'm a bit more um, technical. Like when we launched our quilts and pillows, I was definitely like, cool, we need to shoot these different features. We need to be really yeah, technical. you've got a checklist. Yeah. But then when it comes to kind of more of those creative seasonal campaigns, I really just like to let the team ideate and, and go with it. And yeah, I think knowing when to step in and step back and um, that's been a, a bit of a challenge, 
but yeah, the guys are so beautiful. Like they don't have a problem with saying like, okay, hey, Ailey, we need a little bit more help here. Yeah. Hey, I've got these two ideas before I waste any more time. Which one do you like better? Yeah. So just creating that environment where we can feel like it's a um, really big collaboration through everyone in the business, um, you know, right from the product team. I mean, you've met Caitlin, our product designer, yeah. and she works really well with Grace, and then they work really well with the e-com team. So it's such a shared experience bringing everything to life and when everyone can touch it and everyone can put their little mark on it that's really magical everyone feels like they've played such a big part yeah and it's cool when the assets are out in the world so like when i get served my own ad this lyric is probably edited it's really cool so good um how do you manage creativity because you do have creativity is a beast and Mm. it's really hard because it's different because you're the shoots feel a little bit more luscious and inspired than what I can imagine shooting in an e-com studio 24-7 would be. Yeah. So you guys go into shoots probably once a month or six weeks and then you come out of the shoots and then you're in pre-production for the next one and then post and da 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 So there's a little bit of breathing space around that. Mm-hmm. But with your product team and your creative team, how do you help inspire them? Like, is there anything tangible that has happened where they're a bit soggy, a bit stale, a bit burnt out? It's <laughs> um, an interesting question because I, I do think it does ebb and flow, like I said yeah. before. Um, and that's just human nature. Like, sometimes you're really inspired with what you're doing and then other times you're like, if I could need to fight, like... I shoot another flat cheat, honestly, I could scream. Um, <laughs> and, and I guess it's just knowing that. Um, creativity is just such a weird thing for me to attach my identity to because I've never really thought of myself as a creative. Yeah. Um, I kind of do creative things for a commercial outcome. Yeah. Or I, I never have been one that's like, cool, I'm just going to knit all day because I think that's really relaxing. Like, unless I'm selling scarves at the market, I'm not knitting anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need the output. Yes, totally. Sure. And so I've got to have that kind of connection. So in terms of inspiring the team creatively, um, one of the things I've done recently is um, implement a creative community at work. Yeah. So all of our creators from product, from design, um, from Grace and Phoebe, from the shoot team, we just get in a room once a month and we just think, okay, what briefs have we got on? What things are coming through the pipeline? And yeah. just we can workshop it together. You know, what collateral have we got? What does the customer see when they open the box? What do yeah. they see when they get their shipping confirmation email? So it's not about inspiring creativity. It's probably about creating space where ideas can be heard and, yeah. and come out in a safe space. And yeah, nice. I love that. What do you do when things are presented to you and they're not the vibe? Oh, I think I then just try and just get in, roll up my sleeves and help. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's another really interesting thing about my business. You know, everyone has a bed, so everyone can buy a product. Yeah. And I think it's a really interesting concept to um, consider when you're looking at marketing. Like if someone's presented a concept and they think they've absolutely nailed it, who am I to say there's not someone out there with a bed that thinks they've absolutely nailed it too? Yeah. Just because I've got a different understanding of um, perhaps a model that we could have used, perhaps uh-huh. the prints that go together. It's such a personal preference of our product that I don't think the team could get it wrong as long as they can explain how they've got there and who it's for. I don't think it's ever been wrong or very far off the track. What do you do on the days where you've let things happen? Shoots that you necessarily may be creative that you would not have come up with yourself 
and you've done your leadership due diligence and you're letting them shoot it because who are you to say that it's not going to be a success? How does that sit with you? When you're, because it's an investment. It is, yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be enough of a good idea that you're like, okay, we'll see how this goes. Are you kind of giving them space to play like that? Yeah. And maybe the, the fundamental is, you know, we look at these beautiful pictures and think, gosh, that is, they are really selling our brand. But we do have a core business behind it that, you know, white cheats are our number one bestseller. So it doesn't really rely on this beautiful creative content that you and I both love. And yeah. It's just the best thing ever. There's an element of people coming to our website because of the function, because we yeah. have fitted cheats with elastic and we have a cool color with a zip. And they couldn't give a shit about our spring campaign and the way it's translated if through the lens. Yeah. I can't wait for, to drop. When is that dropping, by the way? Um, in a few weeks, actually. We passed my dog, everyone. Oh, it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. Day. And you gave him the biggest fucking treats I've ever seen in my life. And he got so territorial. It was crazy. Anyway, I had to be there. I feel like I've been really lucky when I'm hiring because people have a huge folio of work. So you can really naturally, in my, in my industry, see... The work and you can tell if somebody's energetically a right fit you have a chat to them and then that's that mm-hmm. obviously in business and turnover and retention of staff things don't go right and they're not the right fit how does that work yeah it's never that they don't have the right output mm-hmm. like it's never that their style is different or you know they're unable to communicate their ideas on the day it's more the how they work with the team mm-hmm. and yeah. how um you know maybe they've come in with an ego or maybe they've come in doing one thing one way and you know we've hired a few people from agency world before and that is just completely different yeah. to vertical retail even though the outputs are the same and the person can actually do the job it's like how do they interact with the team how do they right. take on feedback how does that work and i think it's probably i feel like it's one of those things that's just underspoken about in business growth yeah is how hard it is to hire people and not even that like bring them on the journey and set them up for success so i you know you can hire as many people as you want and there's tech businesses out there that hire you know 20 30 people in a few months but unless you're sitting down and getting to know that individual explaining to them how you want to work yeah um setting them up for success you know if they do something that's perhaps not the right thing correcting it giving them the right feedback fucking hard thing to do and you invest so much time in them and then you realize that it's not the right fit it's like oh for fuck's sake we just wasted so much time it's hard to process that yeah it really is and i think um you know we went from five people to I think 35 within the space of eight or nine months yeah. um, in lockdown too. So that's interviewing people over Zoom, yeah. doing that whole process. And so um, giving the right level of trust and autonomy, but then also giving the right level of information and guidance is a really, really difficult thing. Um, you know, not expecting that people understand the way you want to work or what you value or what even their role in the business is. Um, it's really difficult and, you know, we look at a people and culture team and think, oh, cool, they're just here to, um, you know, write letters and, yeah. and uh, have morning teas. But <laughs> it's just such an important role and I think yeah. I've really taken that on in my business in the last couple of years. It's just like my role as a CEO isn't just about setting the direction and being a creative and understanding the vision. It's also making sure that people are working well together yeah. and that people are having a good experience. And setting that, like a chemistry as such. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the right people are in the right roles and I absolutely got it wrong. And I think I've had to make some really tough calls where I'm like, I 
I really take on this responsibility. And I remember sitting down with one of my team members not too long ago and I was like, I take on that you've spent the most formative years of your career with me at my business. It's my responsibility to give you the best people to learn from and the right ways to do things. And if I haven't set that up for them, then things need to change. And it's probably been the hardest thing about business because people are so unpredictable and yeah, it just does require time. You can't just, um, you you can't just send them an email about that. They're face-to-face conversations. Yeah. Require. And it's unknown. That's not a system and a process that you can predict how things are going to go. Yeah. When you're doing that we like you touched on that it is one of the most underspoken about things in business i absolutely agree because it's i've lost so much sleep over that in particular because when you do get it wrong i've been learning the lesson that it's not necessarily your fault yeah but i take on so much pressure from the fact that you're when you do bring somebody on and it doesn't work out you've taken x amount of time out of their life and they've taken X amount out of yours. And I've had the feedback before a couple of years ago. Wow, you're like really emotional about this. And I was like, yeah, my business is everything to me. And I've had you on this journey for a short amount of time, really intensely. And then we've decided that it's not going to progress. I am emotional about that because Mm -hmm. I was firstly young, but also taking things personally, but beating myself up in the mistakes Mm -hmm. and I didn't have the hindsight to realize that literally everybody goes through it do you when it happens have you beat yourself up in the past about it absolutely yeah it's so easy to blame yourself for making the wrong decision but um it's usually the wrong decision for the person as well yeah if it's not working it's usually a two-way street um and I think it just how important communication is and I caught up with my business coach yesterday and he's like everything you want is on the other side of a difficult conversation and so it's like learning how to be more vocal about that you know before it gets to the point of like I can't fucking do this anymore it's like hey how are you feeling what what can I change what can I do differently what more do you need from me yeah so learning how to communicate more I think has really helped me in that sense yeah absolutely it's fascinating to hear that that's actually like a very very good tip a little quote <laughs> for the pod for sure have you found that as because there's been numbers in the press about sheet society success have you found that you have navigated because you've become probably a very different person to who you were in 2017 uh, absolutely have you got like new friends and new people to talk about and you've also raised babies during this time yep. so you've probably got your original mates that you now have kids at the same time as yep. and like mm-hmm. you and Andy as a couple but things are changing dynamics have obviously changed Huge, the level yeah. of success relatability to your own friends mm-hmm. has that changed absolutely I think I went through a huge identity crisis and <laughs> I want to know about that like at the start of the business, I was I paid myself two hundred dollars a week, and yeah. at one stage, maybe eight months into the business, we needed to buy more stock, and we couldn't afford to, and so I sold my car. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I was literally driving around in my mum's Corolla, mm-hmm. and I 
questioned whether I could afford a coffee in the morning. My mates were going out for dinner and I would say, cool, what time are you finished eating? And I'll come after you've eaten and sit down and have a glass of wine so I didn't miss out. Yeah. So it's a sacrifice. Yeah, it was, it was really hard. And then now moving into having like a really successful business and, you know, yeah, you've seen the numbers. It's significantly changed and it changed so quickly for me and I'm very success driven. And so it got to a point where I was like, okay, this is all bubbling up so much. I need to just put a line in the sand and say, I've fucking made it. Like yeah. I'm, I'm here and I'm successful. And um, own it. And own it, yeah, and really yeah. celebrate it. And I can probably explain it in a sense of like, it's kind of like I won the lottery, but I couldn't talk about it yeah. because I had... Are you going to upset right now? Yeah. What? <laughs> Hard thing to come to terms with. talking about your success, you silly well, at one point I was kind of like, I'm <laughs> so happy and I'm so proud of myself. But I think yeah. um, financial figures are a really big marker of that. And mm. it's like, I can't walk into a room and say to a bunch of people, hey guys, I've fucking made it. My business yeah. is valued at X. Because I don't value that monetary number. Like, it's not about yeah. that for me. But my life has significantly changed and, yeah. and I can't deny that. Like, you know, we're building my dream house at the moment. Like, yeah. you know, I, I don't want for anything. Um, and so where is that time where I can just stop and be like, let's celebrate this or like, let's own it. And like, let's just turn a corner and say, cool, that was me then. And that is me now. And I kind of felt that I would turn into a different person, but then I've really figured out that I'm just the same person and the friends I've got now are the same friends I've had since I was have 12. Have they been great on the journey with you? Yeah, they really have. They've been so supportive and in the sense like we went away together a few weeks ago and it's like, cool, Hayley has a job, you have a job, I have a job, yeah. you're a nurse. Like it doesn't matter if you're more successful than the other person. It's a lot more than that. It's like connection and what you value. And I remember I bought myself a few materialistic things and I yeah. would be like, cool, it just sits there. Like, 100%. it's not even that important to yeah. me anymore. So, um, yeah, that identity thing has been really, really tough, at, like especially going through growth in COVID because I haven't been able to change my lifestyle. Like, I remember before we went to COVID, I think we went out for dinner and we would order, like, the house white. And then yeah. when we left COVID, we had had all this success. And I remember going out for dinner and being like, should we order, like, a bottle of this wine <laughs> and it's like it was so yeah. different things really changed I could afford coffee in the morning and things like yeah, that wow. so um and then like you said before I've had two kids in the mix too so and not only have I you know fulfilled my wildest career dreams but I've also become a mum of two kids and trying to balance both of them so it's been a really fucking wild ride the last few years but I'm so grateful for everything that's happened yeah and, um juggling work and being a mum is is tough but I've really found my groove with that yeah you know you can be a great mum and be great at work, but you can't do those things at the exact same time. Yeah. And that's so fine. You've got good help, though. Yeah, we do. When we were on set and we shot mm -hmm. the brand building pieces that we did and we shot them at your home yeah. last year, maybe. Yeah. And there was a woman that came and just kind of like, I, I think she's... Yeah, Barb. Yeah, Barb. Yeah. Where did you find Barb? Um, 
I'm at Nanny website and so Barb works for the business and so she comes in and she does um, like all the tea and coffee and she fills up the bicky tin and yeah. bakes cakes for everyone at work when it's their birthday and so she helps us in that regard and then she helps with the kids at home. And, yeah. Um, it was yeah. really obvious but also a pretty harmonious attitude that she had because she was so aware of the shoots yeah. and the team and I think that was so cool because it wasn't like, oh my God, there's so many people in this house. It was like, hi Grace, what do you need? Oh, you're moving lighting gear. I'm not going to help you with that because I'm kind of elderly, but I'm going, but like, this is great. Kelly <laughs> and Andy do things this way. Yeah. It was a really cool system to actually see as someone that knows you quite well, but also has always been curious about how the fuck you juggle everything. Yeah. You've got people like Pub. Yeah. <laughs> and I was really self-conscious about hiring a nanny to help out because I thought everyone at work would be like, oh God, Haley and Andy, they've got a nanny. Yeah. And I was like, how do we integrate Barb to help out everyone? And yeah. so she's just, you know, she comes into the office and waters the plants and cares about everyone and asks yeah. them about their weekend. And so she feels like she's looking after everyone. And I yeah, know that's people such can a nice touch. That. So it has been integrated well and because she knows what we've got going on like I think a nanny in a normal world would just see the mum and daddy go off to work and you know yeah. they come back in a suit and they're all flustered but Barb's like how's the shoot I've got these new sheets on my bed and she's just yeah. really invested and so I think that just enables her to help us out a lot more. Being a mum I can imagine you don't have necessarily any capacity to lose track of time I feel like you would know like clockwork what's going on pretty much at all times and where everybody is and how long you've got to do one particular task what element of the business do you lose track of time in um probably the people management side yeah like i'll have a big schedule but if i'm in a chat with someone about their yeah. day or talking to them about their weekend like that to me is something i'll really prioritize around um you know getting my own work done like i can work as late as I want but I'm very big on hellos and goodbyes in the office yeah. and if they take half an hour to get around to everyone and talk about their weekend then that's really important to me. With such exponential growth how far in the future are you planning? Uh, probably five years in the future. Mm. What does it look like? Um, I'd love to crack a department store mm. oh. um, and then have an experience in say like a Selfridges or a Demonym so, um, overseas. So international? Yeah. Mm, Are yeah. you guys going to do, do you do much direct-to-consumer internationally? We do, we do. do we we just fulfil it from Brunswick though, so it's not a huge part of So you don't have an international 3PL? No, but we're right. going to hit a um, marker and then we're going to hit go on that. Mm -hmm. um, I think for the next five years is about um, bringing Cheat Society to more people through mm -hmm. different channels. Um, whether that be above the line advertising where we can capture a new audience or um, more in-store um, more in-store more in-store interactions with customers mm -hmm. um, I'd love to open a couple of stores in New South Wales and yeah. just see how they go so yeah I, it's hard to plan more than five years out how do you plan for yourself in five years um I don't know I don't really think about it because I think that's the freedom that the business allows me yeah. to kind of ebb and flow as that comes along um if it's too much for me I can cut days down and, yeah. and just in the last kind of few weeks I've been like oh I'm going to take this morning and just 
focus on myself and just you know maybe go for a massage and just wind down a little bit more mm. like before that it was kind of like I, everything depended on me and it was just to-do lists and back-to-back meetings yeah. and I need to remember why I started the business which is to give myself that freedom and yeah. so I can now hopefully have mornings where I can say cool I need to work on myself and personal development and mindfulness and things like that so I don't really have any end goals for me because I feel comfortable that I can just ever with however I'm feeling at the time yeah do you think the company will grow 100% yeah I think at the moment we're kind of at this level with a few of our um, competitors and whoever can kind of shoot out of the blocks and challenge some of the big guys first yeah we'll really win and take market share so like I said before we, we do work on those foundations of kind of um, tech can, can you say who the big guys are in your mind um, probably like Sheridan and Adair's. So, okay, right. Yeah, and, and so they're like huge. Yeah. Like mm, so many stores, so yeah. much revenue. Um, not that I'm saying we want to offer that same experience or even breadth of product, but I just think in terms of where people are buying sheets from, yeah. it's either those guys or it's um, brands like mine. There's no kind of in-between and there's actually no one significantly challenging that. And it's a huge fucking market. Like, yeah. Massive. The potential is huge. And so for us, it's not been like, let's get there fast and let's just, you know, invest it all and like we're just growing so fast. It's like, okay, how do we do this properly? How do we enjoy the journey and how do we do it in a really nice way? And this year has really forced us to kind of stop and think about it and reassess how we're doing things internally, what the goals are. And if things take a few more years but we're enjoying it more, then that's totally fine. Yeah. You're very aware of everything that's going on in market, beyond the market, in different industries, how different businesses are doing different things. And I feel like we would be quite similar that you look at something, you can look at it for five seconds and it's a sponge and you've stored it and then on a rainy day you'll just be in a meeting about something and it'll be like, oh, so-and-so did that, that'd be a fantastic iteration to do, 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 do. and it just comes out because you're, you've subconsciously probably stewed on it and you've stored that little tidbit that you picked up in God knows where on the zeitgeist. Where do you get most of your inspiration from? not really one place are you just on socials doing the things yeah. do you have any routines around reading the trades and understanding where the market's at not really it's more um you know probably more feel inclined to read somewhere like afi and yeah know, sometimes but then other times i'm like cool i'm gonna jump on wds and do color and trend things yeah it, it doesn't there's no kind of checklist of every day. It's like I'm very mood-driven, I feel. Yeah. I go up and down in terms of um, wanting to focus on, you know, function and commerciality things and then actually leaning into when I'm feeling creative and getting that sort of outlet out. So I think there's a lot of power in that, um, especially as women. I'm learning a lot more about my cycle and in yeah. when what times in my cycle am I more inclined to get stressed out about a meeting or feel like I'm underprepared or feel like the world is going to cave in and I actually can't get out of bed today or yeah. feel super inspired and want to work till you know 11 or 12 p.m at night yeah. so um becoming more aware of that has enabled me to kind of lean in more to that and really get the best out of kind of like that flow state of doing something that you really love at the right time and just getting in and getting it done so how do you optimize that are you like roll, to roll up your sleeves are you like a coffee in hand no one disturb you 
How do we op how do we reach optimal Haley? Um, it's probably like ten PM at night, glass really? of candle on and I'm just charging at it. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Which is it's I, it's interesting to recognise because that's not me in an office at yeah. 10 a.m. with the team. And so if that's when I do my best work, how do I kind of, um, I guess, average that out a little bit more? Or how do I be both people? I feel like I was working late last Champagne night. breakfast. So I, was, like. <laughs> yeah. I think I was working till about 11.30 last night and I went to bed and I still set my alarm for like 6 a.m. because I was like, no, I want to be a morning person and an evening Yeah, person. the pressure that you put on yourself yeah. to be this optimal... <laughs> It's exhausting. I know. And then I snoozed the alarm, of course, because I'm like, how would I expect myself to get up at 6am when I was working till yeah. midnight the night before? Like, I can't have both. So it's just kind of managing that internal struggle with uh, trying to be a high performer. Um, what is next for She Society in the next couple of months? What can people expect as this podcast comes out and they go on the Instagram handle to see what Sheet's been up to? Yeah, I think we've been really great this year about building new product categories. Yes. Um, so before this year, we just sold bed sheets and quilt yes. covers. And now we've got quilts. We've got our lowdown, which is a recycled feather and down in a pillow and a quilt. Uh -huh. um, we're working on a new um, fibre for quilts and pillows, which wow. is um, derived from corn. So it's a plant-based fluffy feel. We're calling it cloud corn. And so that'll be coming Cute. out in our Can't wait to see the creative deck. And you will. Yeah, come with you to shoot it for us. Um, I wonder how Grace is going to incorporate corn. I know. <laughs> We've had some great ideas already. Yeah. Um, so it's moving the brand from more just a one category yeah. mindset to everything for the bed. Um, which, you know, I think sometimes in business it's about things you decide not to do rather than things you yeah. decide to do, which is for us is just everything for the bed. Last year you did pyjamas yep. as a limited thing. Yep. Are you, is, is that incorporate? Are we going to see slippers? Are we going to see robes? Is it apparel for the bed? Or now it's just the bed and that was like a one-time thing? Yeah, I think it's mostly just the bed. I think we've got um, other rain to do um, fun little pops of things, but de we'll definitely never be a slipper brand or a pyjama brand. It's all Amazing. about the sheets. And um, there's something powerful about direct-to-consumer bands that do one thing and do it really well. Yes. Like we know that works. Like um, I'm trying to think of an example of a brand you know there's, there's brands coming out there that just sell toothpaste and, and just do that yes. and, and so for us to just lean into things for the bed well, like co even k-o-h yeah that brand and just cleaning yeah like mm -hmm. it's just you want to be the one person that has that real estate totally yeah, yeah. a friend's got a brand called dirt and she just does yeah. laundry and and that is so great and i think consumers are loving that because they go to that brand knowing that they're experts in this one thing that yeah. they do and they can get that easily and they can bring that into their home and they're just really proud of that one thing. Yeah. So for us, if we can own the bed, then um, I'd be really wrapped with that. Mm. I think you're on your way, yeah. if not having already arrived. <laughs> well, like yeah. I said, I've made it. <laughs> yes, the amount of people that are like, oh, my God, I love Sheet Society. And I'm yeah. like, I know. Oh, that's so good. It's yeah. so it's – because it's really powerful. And yeah. the stuff that you're bringing out, like it's one of the – like I'm very lucky in fashion when I do those shoots because we see product before – anybody else sees it so obviously the styling team and stuff they're well and truly used to the product it's very tactile for them they get it 
when a model walks out onto a job and you, it's like shopping because yeah. you're seeing a dress or something for the first time, I have the exact same reaction when Phoebe fluffs those pillows. Oh. I'm like, shut up, this looks amazing. Let me in there. Literally. And it's hard, especially after a long day or you've had a big week and you're shooting beds not to just literally want to dive into it because she styles them so... She's just got the oh, touch, doesn't she? God, they're good. So yeah. I'm so excited for people to see this campaign, especially, like, you've done things like oatmeal and stuff are coming out really soon. Yeah. Mm. Ones with little Otis sitting on the bed. Oh, it was so good. It was. It's just phenomenal. Like, I feel like I'm shopping every single time we shoot now. It's, it's beautiful. I feel the same. Oh, the product mm. is so good. You've done such a good job. Yeah, I think that really is our superpower. The product is just awesome. You know, people can buy things because they look great mm. unless they're going to perform well and it really suits what you need it for no one's going to come back and that's why we've got a really high customer repeat rate because the product is actually good it doesn't just look good and we've done a great job of bringing yeah. it to life no offense we have <laughs> <laughs> it actually is fundamentally great yeah of course it is on that note thank you so much for chatting to me thank you if you love this chat with Hayley, please subscribe to Process the Podcast and leave a review. I'm so excited to grow this podcast and find new audiences and each tiny bit of help I can get, whether it's sharing it with a friend, sharing it on your stories or DMing me about your love for the pod warms my heart and keeps us going. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Head to Sheet Society to suss out all their bedding and I will see you next week.